I believe that there is a huge problem in the church today. We want to be effective in ministry. We want to have a, make a difference in our community, but we go on living prayerless lives. The big problem in the church in our world today is the prayerlessness of Jesus' followers. You know, we've been invited by God into relationship with him, and as part of that relationship, there is this opportunity for communication. In prayer, we get to not just speak to God, but we get to hear from him. We get to not just worship God, but become reshaped and redefined by him. We don't just ask of God, but we receive from God. And yet, while there's this incredible invitation before us, so very few of us dive as deep into the world of prayer as we should. There's some that prayer just really isn't a part. There's others who maybe step it up a little bit and they say grace and maybe pray during stressful times. But God calls us to so much more than this. He longs for more than this from us and he promises that it can be so much better. And so we're going to be talking about this idea of prayer today. Prayer for effectiveness, prayer for direction, prayer so we would see more of God's kingdom come, more of his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you've got a Bible with you today, I'd encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11. And there we're going to see this promise that Jesus gave that if we ask of him, if we seek him, if we come knocking on his door, that we will receive, that we will find. And that door will be open to us. And so let's read Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? So as we're on the topic of prayer, as we look at this scripture, let's start with prayer. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to reveal your truth to us today. Jesus, would we be challenged by your words? And would we become not just hearers of your words, but doers of your words? And Heavenly Father, as we commit to that, would you be glorified? Would your name be known greater? Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And so we pray for our hearts, minds, and souls to be open to receiving from you today. Come Holy Spirit. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so over the last number of weeks, we have been going through Jesus' great sermon that he gave on the mount. And we've been walking through Matthew chapter 5 through 7, and we're, we're coming into the home stretch here, looking at what Jesus had to say about what it looks like to live as his followers, what it looks like to live out being people who are a part of his kingdom. Jesus invites us in 
to a new way of living so that he would be worshipped and so that our lives and our world would be better for it. But as he's gone about this teaching, he's challenged us with, with things that push against societal norms, with things that are counter to our culture and all about his kingdom's culture. He's pushed against anger and lust. He's invited us to have purity of mind and heart. He's challenged us to always live with the intention of leading people towards him in every situation. He's called us to constantly deal with our own junk so that it would not get in the way of his kingdom coming. As we've pressed into this teaching, I think for every single one of us, I know for me, there have been moments of great challenge. Moments where I just kind of wince and wonder, like, how am I, I going to do this? Like, I just, I just don't feel like I have it in me to, to get there. And I think for all of us, as we look at the teachings of Jesus and as we go through Scripture, sometimes we come to these places where we're just like, I'm just so far from that. Like, like how am I going to get there? Other times, maybe we get really excited about a teaching and we get, we get pumped up and, and we really want to see it start to take place and, and we see it start to go and go and there's a little momentum, but then it slows down. Sometimes, I think for others of us, there's just so much going on and we feel challenged in so many areas because we're not living our Christian life the way we should that it almost feels like we're getting heaped on more than we're getting revived and uplifted when we hear the teachings of scripture and the problem when we feel these different ways is often that we're looking within ourselves for the answer where we're looking at the world around to provide the answer but instead Jesus provides a different way of understanding he provides a different avenue for receiving what we need in order to live as citizens of his kingdom and here's where he addresses it in verse 7 he gives us the answer Ask, seek, knock. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. As we consider all the virtues and attitudes and behaviors that Jesus instructs us in, as we consider the things that we don't possess on our own, Jesus says, you want to know how you get them? You come and ask for them. You come and seek me and find me and I provide what you need. You want to know what my kingdom should look like? You come and knock on my door and I will invite you in. The kingdom values and principles that Jesus wants us to have, he's saying, are on the table for us to take if only we would ask. Jesus' central teaching as he goes through all of his work on earth and all his teaching on earth was that we would have not just reconciliation with him, but restoration of a full life with him. That we would understand him, that we would become more like him, and that we would be like him so that others could come to know him and worship him as well. God isn't some cosmic being who's playing peekaboo with us. He's not hiding from us. He doesn't shield himself in such a way that we can't get to know him and understand him. Instead, God has relentlessly pursued us through the person of Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is all so that we would not just find him for our salvation, but so we would live for him on the day to day. 
And so Jesus says, when you ask, you'll receive, because I've already provided. When you seek, you'll find, because I've already pursued. When you knock, the door will open, because I'm already inviting you in. A few weeks ago, when we were looking at the Lord's Prayer, we talked about what, what, what are ways we could understand what prayer is all about. And I shared with you something that I had learned from another pastor down in the States a number of years ago. He, he gave this teaching, which provided this, this view of prayer as entering in, climbing up into heaven, and knocking on God's throne room door, and coming in, and, and spending time in God's presence, and learning from him, and appreciating him. And then what he does is he provides us with little pieces of heaven to bring back with us down to earth as we leave his presence in prayer and go about what we're doing in our day-to-day lives. And that for me has really reshaped in some ways my attitude towards prayer. And when I see Jesus continue on here just one chapter later in the same sermon, I see that Jesus is giving this picture that he wants us to come in and grab more of heaven and become more like God by spending time with him, that he wants us to come to him in prayer. When Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, what he's really saying is pray, pray, pray. Jesus tells us three times with this emphasis that we should pray so that we can receive what we're looking for. And that's the promise of prayer that Jesus gives. What I love is Jesus doesn't just invite us in to talk to him. He doesn't just say, hey, if, if you come, uh, maybe you're going to hit me on a good day. Maybe you're going to say the right thing, and then I'll, I'll reward you for it. No, Jesus says if you come with the right heart, with the right attitude, if you come to seek what you're supposed to be seeking, you will find. The promise of prayer is found in verse 8 and verse 11. He says in verse 8, For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, so the one who knocks the doors will be open. Then at the bottom of verse 11 it says, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Jesus tells us that we should be encouraged that if we're looking for the source of what we need to to relate to him, to relate to the world around us, to live our lives in a certain way, all we need to do is come to him in prayer and he will provide what we need. God answers prayer. He gives good things. He gives what we ask for. And that should encourage us to continue to pray. Now we could stop here. We could actually almost end the sermon here because I think enough of us have to just wrestle with this idea that prayer needs to become a regular thing and we need to see that there's a promise in prayer, that God actually answers prayer, that he actually comes to us and meets our need in prayer, that we have an opportunity to relate and, and be reshaped and to see more of the kingdom in prayer. I think we could end there, but, but I don't want to stop there. I actually want us to consider taking that beyond just the practical application from a few simple words to really understanding some greater profound truths. You see, whenever I study scripture, something that I learned long ago was to ask three questions. Three simple questions which could radically reshape our understanding and really help us to dive further in to scripture. And those three questions are simple. 
What does this passage teach me about God? What does this passage teach me about people, myself and others? And then what does this passage teach me about those two in relationship together? And so that's what I want us to look at for the bulk of the rest of our time today. If we're called to ask, if we're called to seek, if we're called to knock on God's door and he promises us that he will provide uh, those attitudes, those behaviors, the ability to be more like him, the, the ability to bring more of his kingdom down to earth, then we should understand more about who he is and who we are to, to really appreciate that picture of what Jesus is inviting us into. And so let's start where we should always start, which is with God, because he frames everything for us. And so as I consider this passage, I I see the first thing that this passage teaches me about God is that he's consistent and that he's faithful. One of the things I've found about the people in life who, who make promises is that they often don't always follow through. Even the people I know who are the best at kind of being there for you and and doing the best for you will at times fail. They won't be where you think they should be. They won't provide things on time. But God is consistent and he's faithful and he's always present. Scripture actually tells us time and time again through from writers through centuries of time that God will pull through. We can look to its example to to help us understand this a little bit more. For instance, we can look at the uh, Old Testament prophet Jeremiah who talks about uh, and then brings a message from God, which is in Jeremiah 29 verse 13, where God said through Jeremiah that if you seek me and find me, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Later on, we have down the road from Jesus, Jesus' brother instructs the early church that, you know what, there's going to be times when you lack wisdom, and if you want it, you go to God. In James chapter 1, verse 5, we read, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. We can also read from Jesus' closest friend, John. In 1 John verse 1, chapter 1, verse 9, we read, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. One of the incredible things about God is that he is always present and available. That he consistently provides the good things that he promises. And I've received those things. I've known that there's been times where I've tried to wrestle through situations and decisions. And God has been faithful in giving me the wisdom when I seek it. I know that there's been times where I need the forgiveness of my sin and the restoration of reconciliation with him because I've driven a wedge in our relationship and God continues to be faithful. He continues to forgive me and draw close to me and allow me to sense his presence. I've had times where I've not known how I should go about a certain situation or relate to a certain person because I want them to to know about Jesus and his love for them and God's given me really real wisdom Sometimes just in a moment to be able to address something in a certain way where I just sit back and go, God, I need you now. And then I'm talking and boom, all of a sudden something I didn't even think of comes out of my mouth or I have this idea of something to do and it it meets a need in an incredible way and opens a door to, to talk about God, to share who he is with other people. God is so consistent and faithful But the good thing is, he's also not just consistent and faithful, but he is good. That's the second thing I see from these verses we're studying today, is that that God isn't just always there. He's not just 
standing in one spot, but that God is always providing good things. We read in verses 9 to 11, Jesus says, Which of you, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? No, Jesus didn't just promise that God would answer the prayers we have for expanding his kingdom, for getting to know him, but he answered that God would give good gifts. The illustration Jesus is giving here is, is answering the, the daily bread question of Jewish life. In ancient Jewish culture, the, the food staples for day-to-day diet were bread and fish. And Jesus promises that he would provide the daily bread on the daily. He's not here to play tricks. He's not going to say, hey, today it's going to be a loaf of bread when you sit down, but tomorrow it's going to be a rock. Hey, I got, I got this great fish for you and when you open the 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 dinner plate uh, all of a sudden there's a snake ready to attack he says no like no no parent would do that so why would god do that god as our heavenly father does the complete opposite of any type of trick but he provides good things always anyone who's a parent knows how hard it is to be perfect you know you can't do it. You, I, I think as a parent, it's one of the, the most prevalent places I see all my imperfections. But despite all my imperfections, my love of my children leads me to wanting to do the best for them. I will do whatever I can to provide them exactly what they need. And if I'm willing to do that as an imperfect person who is selfish, who has my own agendas, uh, how much more would God do it? God in his consistency and faithfulness is also sinless. He has no limitations. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-good. He's all-loving. And so when he comes alongside, we know that we can trust in him because it's always good. And that's the third thing I think this text teaches us about God. And while it's not explicit, it is implicit within the text. And that is that we can trust God not just for the past, but for the future. God is trustworthy. We need to come to this understanding where we trust God to give us good things time and time again. And one of the best ways for us to understand that is, of course, the fact that God has already provided us the greatest thing. Augustine wrote, For what would he not now give to sons when they ask, when he's already granted this very thing, namely, that they might be his sons? When we understand and look back at the teachings of Jesus, we have to remember not just to stay stuck in the moment that we're reading about, but to take in the great picture. Jesus is a historical figure we know how he lived and what he's accomplished and we know that he continues to live on in heaven and to rule and reign and when we look at all of that picture in the whole if we were just to look at the book of Matthew and see what Matthew saw with Jesus from the beginning to the end of his life to his resurrection from the dead we would see that Jesus came not just to teach but to die to rise again so that we could receive what we ultimately need that we could have the forgiveness of our sins so that our punishment that we deserve for being 
awful, sinful, broken people who go against his ways, who rebel against him, who question him, who fight against his kingdom. If he would forgive us for that, if he would take on that penalty for the whole of the world that would do that, why would he not then continue to provide for what's next? Because he's made a guarantee for us eternity. It didn't just take place for us in the past and one day we'll get to go to heaven. No, he provides for us all along the way. Besides, when you take it beyond just an individual level, God didn't just come to establish his kingdom in our lives. He came to establish his kingdom upon the earth. And so what he started, he will finish and so then he invites us in all along the way he provides exactly what we need so as we consider that god is consistent he's faithful he's trustworthy he's good it makes us ask then what about me well for me when i look at this i I realize how utterly reliant on him i am You know, the world tells me that I'm supposed to be self-reliant. It tells me that I should get a coach and build my skills and, and, and be the person that I'm supposed to be and that I should work from my strengths and not pay attention to my weaknesses and, and to press, 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 press forward. But when I see what Jesus teaches, he says, you can't do this on your own. You might be able to build your own kingdom for a while, but if you're going to build the kingdom of God, if you're going to accomplish what he wants in your life, if you're going to see your life change for the better to be more like him, then you need him. We need to ask. We need to seek. We need to knock because that's the only way to get what we truly need. When you compare who God is with who we are, it really gives you a great perspective of this passage. We are not much, and he is all that there is. But while there's this understanding that, 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 that we are small and he is great, we should not allow that for, uh, for us to not see the other truth that this passage teaches us, that he loves us and that we are of value. To God. A lot of people compare and contrast themselves and actually it can create this really defeatist attitude within their lives when they say, well, I'm so broken, I'm a sinner, I'm wretched, so I don't deserve to be before God. I'm, un- I'm unfit to, to have him pay attention to me. And sometimes what happens is, is our own mind and the, the culture of the world and, and the enemy of God come in and they, they twist this understanding of our relationship of, of needing God and God being the provider of all good things. They, they allow it to be twisted into thinking that God doesn't want to hear from us or that we can't do much. And while there's truth that we can't do much on our own strength, there is great amounts that we can do with God because God wants to provide for us. It's so clear to me here in this scripture. I think Jesus is really setting things straight when he gives us this picture of, of, of God as, as father who loves his children because we need to understand that we are loved. That we are children. We're adopted into God's family when we confess our sins and turn towards following Jesus. And and so that allows us this opportunity 
to go boldly and confidently before God who sits on the throne in heaven. It allows us to come before him in prayer and he says, hey, come on up here. Spend time with your father and I will provide for you. God values you. He loves you. He invites you to receive all that his kingdom has in store. His cross was the evidence for that. The, the giving of his spirit was the evidence for that, that we would be able to have a daily relationship with him. That shows that we are of value. And because of that relationship, we have opportunity to step in. I know that, that God doesn't need us. He doesn't need any single one of us to accomplish his kingdom building on earth. But out of his love for us and care for the way that he uniquely made each one of us, he invites us in to taking part in being kingdom builders. Because we, as his adopted children through the work of Christ, are heirs to that kingdom. And so he says, ask of me for more of it. Ask me to be more like me. Seek me. Find me, get to know me, become more like me. Knock on my door, it's always open for you because I want you to be a part of what I'm building. Dallas Willard wrote this, he said, Asking is indeed the great law of the spiritual world because it's through that that things are accomplished in cooperation with God. I love that picture. This is what God wants us to to come into so as we consider this teaching of jesus we must consider the fact that god will provide what we ask for so will we ask now i know what some people will do it's sort of the elephant in the room is people will say yeah but god hasn't answered every one of my prayers god doesn't always give me the good things that i ask for Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, but sometimes things don't go my way. And to that, I would say that is true, but we also have to look at this passage in context. Jesus isn't saying that he will answer yes to every question that we ask for. Jesus says that he will provide good things. We have to understand this relationship of who God is and who we are. God is infallible. We are not. God is all-knowing. We are not. God is good. We are not. And as we make all of those comparisons, it should become quick for us to see that when we consider what's happening here, sometimes we as the people are going to see a stone and think it's bread. And we're going to say, God, that's what I want. And God, with his clarity, is going to say, that's actually a piece of stone. And so instead, I'm going to give you this bread, which you don't see as the daily provision which you need. Let's also remember what, what this passage is saying in context. This isn't talking about every prayer that we will ever pray. This is talking about us seeking God for the purpose of building his kingdom, for the purpose of following him. The context of this passage tells us that, and it, it frames for us what part of, of our prayer life Jesus is talking about. 
in, in the preceding verses, all of the Sermon on the Mount, but in particular, the verses that came right before this, chapter 7, verse 1 to 6, Jesus has been talking about dealing with the danger of being judgmental and the danger of being undiscriminating. And in fact, the very next verse, in verse 12, we'll see the golden rule, do unto others what you would have them do to you. Jesus is talking just not just about our relationship with him, but our relationship with expanding his kingdom amongst others and living life in the world. And he's saying those, when you ask me for wisdom in that and understanding for how to deal with that person and, and the ability to, to chip away at our judgmental na- uh, nature without dealing with our own stuff, Jesus helps answer those things. And as we seek him, we become more like him in those things. As we come into his throne room and take pieces of heaven down to earth what he's doing is providing for us in those things jesus is speaking within the context of this message and so we have to understand that the answer to prayer that god always provides is when we ask seek and knock so that we would become doers of his word and not just listeners When we're seeking to expand his kingdom, that is when God provides the good things. God always answers prayer. Sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a not yet. But in all of those things, we can trust that he will be good. Because again, we go back to his character. He's consistent. He's faithful. He's good. He's trustworthy. We go back to our nature, that we're in need, that we are reliant, but that we are loved. And as we consider that today, I would encourage you, I would challenge you, I would exhort you to consider what it looks like, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And part of what it means, a big part of what it means, is that we would be people who would pray. Many of us want, we say we want to be effective at at being good Christians, that we want people to come to know Jesus because of who we are and how we live, but we, we live our life trying to expand the kingdom under our own strength, without his direction. We don't go to him in every situation and say, God, I need to see where you are in this. I, I need to know where you are moving. Help me to follow you in this next step. We don't take our choices before God and ask him for what we need as he, we need an answer to that question. I think our effectiveness as individuals who follow Jesus and together as a, a corporate church would skyrocket if we would become people who would pray if we wouldn't just intellectually understand what the words on this page say but we would be people who would embrace the truth and live with prayer as a lifestyle we need to live a life steeped in prayer i think for me one of the best analogies of this is thinking about a cup of tea you know i could just dip a tea bag in the water and if i just dipped it in ever so briefly you would see a little bit of discoloration of the water but if i i were to take a drink of that i wouldn't get the the robust flavor that i'm looking for i wouldn't get all the potency of what was in the tea bag 
No, what happens, what changes warm water into tea is when we put the tea in and let it become saturated with what is in that tea. When we let those chemicals leach out into the water and and change the flavor and and change the mouthfeel and change the smell. And oh man, tea becomes good when the tea sits in the water. If we just dip our lives in and out of prayer, sure, we might get a little bit of the color. We might get a hint of the flavor or smell, but we will never become the tea that we're supposed to be. If we want to be potent people, if we want to be people empowered by the Spirit, living and making a difference for the kingdom of God, we need to spend time with God in prayer. We need to relate with Him. We need to learn about Him. We need to identify with Him. We need Him to change our lives from the inside out. If we would only steep our lives in prayer, oh, how sweet would that be? And so I ask you, church, for the sake of your own life, for the sake of your family, for our church, for our community, for the world, would we be people who would take seriously the commands and promises of Jesus, the command to ask, to seek, to knock, the promise that he will answer, that we will receive, that we will find. Would we live our lives in prayer so that Jesus' name would be known, that more of his kingdom would come, that more of his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this word. And God, it can be such a a simple word that we can just read and we can intellectually acknowledge and we can say, yeah, I know that, that God's good, or I know that God provides when I pray, and God, we can, we can come and we can just sort of acknowledge that, yeah, maybe I should pray more, but God, would we not just take that, but would we, would we hear the truths that your word teaches us about who you are and who we are and how we should relate to you, and God, would it inspire us to be people of prayer? God, would we change our lives from the inside out not under our own power but through the power of your spirit would we lean into you would we search for you would we hear from you would we spend time with you so that you would change us so that you would redefine us so that you would empower us And through our lives steeped in prayer, Lord God, would we live out the kingdom principles that you invite us to live out? Would we be people who who live with love and grace instead of anger and hate? Would we be people who see and treat people as value instead of people who lust? Would we take seriously every word that you speak about our purity of mind and heart? And would we embrace that and run with that so that we could live our lives in such a way that we would be like a light on a hill that would shine the way pointing towards you. God, would we learn to deal with our own stuff in our own lives by coming to you and surrendering it over to you. And then would we go from the place of being in your presence, taking what we can of your kingdom and bringing it with us in our day-to-day lives so that our Our lives, our families' lives, our communities' 
lives, the, the lives of those in, in the city, in our province, in our country would be changed by the bringing about of your kingdom, by the praise of your name. And so, Heavenly Father, would your name be seen as holy. More of your kingdom come, more of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, would you provide us exactly what we need each day? Would you forgive us and help us to forgive others? Would you help us to, to, to shy away from the enemy, but to embrace your name instead? Lord God, would you be made known greater because we would be people of prayer. We pray this all in your powerful name, under the presence of your spirit, for the glory of you, God the Father. Amen.